the beginning of the Yoga Sutra, Patanjali um, begins and he says, Atta, the very first word in the Yoga Sutras in Sanskrit is Atta, now. Yoga Anushashanam. So he says, now this teaching, this conversation, this um, <clears throat> exposition on the nature of yoga begins. And this is auspicious. And of course, Atta, now, is always the time that we begin. And it is always now. It is always this moment. And so, and so we can be reminded that we can sit and just consciously make a decision, set the intention to be fully awake and to do what we know we need to do. And if we don't know what we need to do, then we can find out. And so this is one of the useful aspects of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras is it gives us an opportunity to find out how, how does this mind, brain, body, consciousness work? What's going on? What are the, the functional components of it? And how can I best work with it? How can I come into harmony with my essence of being and my expression as uh, a human being on this planet at this time? So, so this is the, the coaching that Patanjali offers us. And the second sutra, he goes on to say, um, Yoga Chitta Vritti Naroda. And so yoga, this is the bringing together of the attention and the awareness of our awareness with our essence of being. So coming into the experience of our true nature, this is yoga. And this happens, he says, this, this is facilitated when we are able to naroda, that is to pacify, to restrain, to quiet down the chitta vrittis. Chitta is the field of awareness, that is uh, where everything is happening, all of our thoughts and impressions and feelings and memories and expectations and opinions. All of this is happening, all of our experience within the field of awareness, chitta. And the vrittis are the turnings or the fluctuations that are happening on that field of awareness. So if we think of the field of awareness like a movie screen, where the movie of our life is being played out, and we are enchanted, engrossed with this movie, so much that we're identified with the character that we're playing, which we've made up for ourselves. you know, everyone is a character, and the character that we are, the character, the role that we're playing, we have assumed, we have made it up from the ground up. We have decided uh, where we live and who we live with and what we do for a living, how we spend our energy, how we spend our time, our attention, how we dress, how we interact. Every aspect, everything that we do in our life, we have made a conscious decision to accept, to implement, to include. And so we are playing the character, we are playing the role that we have designed, that we've made up. So, so this identification with our character, and because we made it up, it's all very interesting to us, of course. <laughs> so, um, so it's very easy to become to 
remain identified with our character and with all the comings and goings and the circumstances and the events and the, you know, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, all the expressions of life that we go through. And we become so identified with that, so enchanted with that, that we have forgotten that our true nature is pure consciousness, awareness. That we are this awareness behind the scene that is always there, that never changes, that is earthless, deathless, immortal, perfect, and whole all the time already. And nothing that happens out here in the world, nothing that happens with our character or none of the interactions that our character moves with in life ever affects our soul nature. In Samkhya philosophy, it is said that Purusha, the witness, pure consciousness, um, observes prakriti, that is the expressive aspect, life itself, everything that's happening in manifestation, and that everything that's happening in manifestation in life exists solely for the pleasure of Purusha, of the observer. So this whole drama of a lifetime is for nothing but the pleasure, the enjoyment of our true nature as consciousness. So, so, but the problem again is that we have become identified with what's happening and forgotten our true nature. And in this forgetting, we suffer. And so Patanjali says right here at the beginning, if we are able to turn down the movie, we can shut the movie off or put it on pause temporarily. If we can, uh, inhibit or slow down or resist the fluctuations, the things, the thoughts and the impressions that come into our mind, then what happens is we're left abiding in the awareness and the experience of being, of ourself. And so this is the third sutra where he says, when Naroda, when this resistance, this restraining, this pacifying of the mental field is is uh, efficient when it works, then the seer, the observer, consciousness, is identified with its true nature, with the self, with the soul nature. And so here we are, existence being, no object, nothing outside, no experience, no memory, pure existence being, which is said to be sat ananda, that is existence, consciousness awareness and bliss this is the bliss of soul awareness the bliss of being the bliss of knowing and so so this is what happens and then uh in the next sutra in the fourth sutra he says when there is a fluctuation when something happens in the chitta when we start to turn the movie back on again then the seer becomes identified with what's happening in the chitta in the field of awareness in the mind so we become re-identified and once again enchanted. So, so we can, we can uh, be aware of this and we can be aware that it's possible for us to work with this process in order to support our ability to allow the mind to quiet, to calm down, and to allow us to rest in stillness, in silence, to meditate to come in back into this experience of beingness, this experience of our true nature. 
So in this process, we are never trying to become something that we are not. We are not trying to accumulate. We are not trying to, you know, move through levels. All we're doing is removing obstacles, removing the things that stand in the way of our ability to rest in being. So we, so we remove these obstacles through disciplined action. And Patanjali goes on to explain to us, as we said again briefly um, last week, uh, these fluctuations, these vrittis, consist of uh, information, valid knowledge. So we have valid knowledge that comes from direct experience, you know, the things that we touch and taste and feel. This is valid knowledge. Also, we have knowledge that comes from inference. And so we look and we see the, the bright window behind me and we can infer that the sun is up. It's not nighttime. So this is not direct experience, but inference. And the third way of valid knowledge is from uh, wise individuals, from reporting from others that we trust. So we get valid knowledge. And then there is error in perception or illusion where we don't see what's happening, where we superimpose our own ideas or we distort what's happening and we don't see clearly. So we are, we are under illusion. We are uh, having experiencing distorted perception. And then there is vikalpa or imagining. So we have the ability to imagine, to come up with concepts and ideas that don't directly relate with objects that don't directly relate with anything in objective reality. They are imaginings. So we, we can imagine stories, we can make up stories, uh, we can imagine futures, we can imagine how it can be and uh, set our intention and allow this to uh, come into our awareness in order to plan. Um, and so we, so we can create fantasies, imaginings, and this is all part of this bikalpa, conceptualization. So we have concepts that don't necessarily relate or correlate to anything in objective reality. And then we have sleep, and sleep is identification with the state of not being. So we become identified with non-existence, and this identification with non-existence is our experience of sleep. And then the final one is memory. And everything that happens to us, everything we experience, we think about, every little bit of input through the senses, whether we're aware of it or not, uh, this is all recorded and becomes part of our memory. And this memory then uh, comes to play, interacts with what's happening in the moment, and adjusts and alters our perceptions and our experience and uh, colors the decisions that we make about the future. So we have these five vrittis, these these five uh, fluctuations, these five ways of, uh, of experiencing in the chitta, the field of awareness. And he said, then he goes on and he says that um, one of the ways of uh, helping ourselves to this naroda is to be able to that this cessation of thought, the cessation of these constant bubbling up of uh, ideas and feelings and opinions and memories. So one of the ways of doing this is with practice. So we practice, we sit and meditate 
and we practice we practice observing what's happening in the field of awareness and we practice disregarding it and letting it go so we practice we practice and it becomes easier and easier over time as we practice so in time we're able to become very adept at resting in silence without being disturbed by these fluctuations these these uh, memories and thoughts and ideas so this is practice and he says you know we should really be in this for the long haul we should be understand that it takes time it takes dedication and it takes discipline practice so we show up we have the we have already set the intention our idea that we will continue with this until we are masters until we're successful and so however long it takes we show up with dedication so this is our practice the other aspect of this transformative niroda this pacifying is dispassion and dispassion means that we don't um, react to what's happening we don't react to um, the circumstances and events the things that are happening around us we respond now to respond is to see what's happening analyze see what needs to be done see what's the appropriate behavior and then take that pro appropriate behavior do something in order to in order to uh to either solve the situation solve the problem or move ourselves ahead so this passion is being able to have this neutral point where we can observe and see what is without emotion without uh you know a lot of opinions and feelings but simply to see accurately this is what's happening and not to react not to have our buttons pushed and when we notice that we're reacting notice when we're becoming fearful or anxious which is quite common these days with everyone sheltering in home sheltering in place or they're supposed to be um, with uncertainty about what's going to happen how long we're going to be uh, sequestered and then as we come back into some level of normalcy what that's going to look like how that's going to unfold so how long it will take and then how we ramp back up and what will happen with the, uh, the economy and our ability to interact what all that's going to be you know creates quite a bit of anxiety for some people and so with dispassion we can just simply observe okay well here's where we are right now the world is locked down the world has been sent to its corner we're we're all kind of um, on hold on pause for the time being and rather than being anxious and worried and upset about what's going to happen next we can simply be making plans so so to react is to become fearful and anxious and worried and to create all the possible scenarios of everything that can go wrong this is the tendency of the mind the, the default mode of the mind drops back into this lowest common denominator and so it wants to constantly be judging and worrying and critic criticizing and and so so we can avoid that and instead we can just be positive and optimistic and make plans and say for ourselves here's what i will do here's how i'm going to begin start to reintegrate 
and how I can um, fully interact in the in the future and what I would like to accomplish and what I want to do. And so we can be instead of being reacting to this and tightening up and becoming more limited, we can see this as an opportunity to be more expansive, to make plans for the future, to be optimistic and see that this is a transformative time, a transformative uh, process that's happening on the planet. We can ask ourselves, how can I cooperate with this unfolding evolutionary process that we are in the middle of right now? No one knows how this is going to come out. No one knows how this will, you know, what this will look like, what the world will look like next year at this time. No one. Lots of people are guessing and lots of people have opinions, but we can set our intention and decide, well, here's what I want for me. Here's how I plan to be moving in harmony with this evolutionary process. Here's how I plan to be supportive and nurturing of what's happening. Because it is happening and, you know, we're, as Yogananda said, um, you have to live life anyway, so why not live in the highest way? Why not live in the way that's positive and optimistic? So we can do that. So then, so then he goes on, Patanjali goes on to say some of the, the things that can help support this nirodha, this quieting, this cessation of thought is inner logic. We can, we can think, we can we use our logic, our wisdom, and we can think about what is going on in this mind and how does this work and how does this relate. And so we have this ability to, to logically assess and evaluate and see where we are and what's happening in consciousness, in the mind. You know, what is the nature of these vrittis, these thoughts, these fluctuations that come up? What supports them? Uh, and what is it that allows them to subside and, and to not become dominant? So we can we can use our logic. Uh, we can use uh, dis discrimination. So we reflect and we discriminate. We look at the difference between what's useful and what's positive and what's not useful. We discriminate. We have this ability. Part of the chitta is called buddhi or discernment, discrimination. And so it can discern and discriminate the difference between fluctuations in the chitta, in the field of awareness, and the witness, pure conscious awareness. So we have this discriminating, discerning aspect of ourself that knows whether we are still or whether we are involved, that knows whether we are conscious, aware, awake, or whether we are still involved with thoughts, memories, um, information, knowledge. And so we can use this discernment, discrimination to look at ourselves, and once again, to let go of the things that are separate and limiting. We can let go of the thoughts and the, the vrittis, and we can um, keep aspiring, keep moving our awareness and setting our intention to being in this fully awake state, to be in this state of yoga, pure conscious awareness, samadhi. And so discernment, discrimination helps us to see the difference between where we are and where we aspire to be, and also helps us to, to uh, notice this experience when it's working. 
So we we come into this awareness where it's like, wow, the mind is quiet, and I'm still. And this is still not uh, perfect, but this this is a lower level of oneness consciousness. But it is an awareness that I am just being, and I'm not thinking about anything. Now, of course, that is kind of a thought. You know, it's subtle, but <laughs> we have to sneak up on it a little bit. But this is discernment. This is the booty that shows us the difference between full involvement and then this quieting of the mind. So, so we can use that. And then we can practice. Another practice is to just rest in tranquility, bliss. This is not uh, bliss like, you know, I just won the lottery and I'm mean, emotionally joyful and and all that's fine. It's wonderful from time to time. It's wonderful to win the lottery, I guess. Um, so it's wonderful to be really, you know, joyful. But we're talking about this soul bliss, this bliss that comes from knowing, from grounding, from awareness and being, from deep tranquility, where there is nothing that we need to do. There's no place that we need to go. Uh, nothing needs to be done. We can just rest in, in being okay in this moment right now. So this tranquility, this is a, a, a very um, profound opportunity for us to just rest in this bliss, the bliss of being. And this is transformative. And this helps to clarify the chitta, to uh, resist and reduce uh, the thoughts and the fluctuations. To just intentionally sit and be and be okay and not have to do anything and not aspire to anything, but just to rest in being. And so this has a transformative effect on the mind, the mind and brain, and helps to bring it to, to enhance or to support this naroda, this pacifying. And then another one that he talks about is to uh, rest in, and we can contemplate and rest in this sensation this experience that i am i am of oneness and so rather than i am something i am uh, a father or a son i am a minister i am a husband or a wife i am a accountant or a bookkeeper an artist instead of i am something to just rest in i am in being in feeling and developing this sensation, this awareness of oneness, wholeness. I'm complete. I'm content. There's nothing I need. There's nothing that I need to add to myself. So resting in this sensation, the experience of wholeness, oneness, is another thing which is transformative to the to the mind-brain consciousness that allows us to support this neuroda, this quieting, this pacifying. And so the more time that we spend experiencing oneness, wholeness, I am, the more time that we spend tranquil, calm, in the bliss of being, the more time that we spend discriminating the difference between this real essence of being and the fluctuations and our identification and our character, and the more time that we spend using our logic our jnana, our ability, our wisdom to understand and to see what the nature of reality is. These things all over time have this very powerful transformative effect on consciousness and on the mind-brain. 
So we actually refine the, the tool, we refine the mechanism that consciousness is operating through. And in this refinement, it becomes easier and easier to have these deeper and more expanded states of awareness, states of consciousness. And then he talks about, in the next section, that, uh, that our Nirodha, that this process is also enhanced by dedication to Ishvara. So Ishvara is ultimate reality, is this, this expressive reality that we are an intimate part of. So having this attunement, this dedication, this relationship with this larger reality, with Ishvara, and he says, uh, he describes Ishvara as that which emanates, which is responsible for um, producing and ordering and, and uh, maintaining the universe. So this expressive universe, which comes out of consciousness, this expressive universe is manifest um, and ordered and uh, is in, in, in the process is Ishvara. So this Ishvara, and he says that evidence of Ishvara is Om. And so we can listen to and contemplate Om and become one with that and feel ourselves attuned with it, which is attuning ourselves with this expressive aspect of ultimate reality. And so he says, develop a, a relationship with Ishvara, with God, with ultimate reality, with the higher power, with however you conceive of that conceive of it come up with a, uh, a something that you can put your attention on and then come into a deep relationship with it feel that it is supporting it is doing the action it is that which makes everything happen it never began and it never ends and it is the endless source of all manifestation all expression and so, so we can come into this relationship, this dedication, this appreciation for, we can say a little prayer to however, you know, whatever form of Ishvara, this manifestation uh, that resonates with us. And it's for this reason that in the, in the Hindu tradition, they have several, many different uh, gods and goddesses, and each of those represents an aspect of creation, of manifestation. So we have Vishnu, which is the, the preserver, that aspect which keeps everything running smoothly and harmoniously, which keeps, keeps the, the world and the processes working. This is, this is Vishnu, and Vishnu has several incarnations, Ram, Krishna, and so these, these incarnations, these aspects, these gods are basically aspects of this preserving, tendency that happens within manifestation within creation so this is the preserver aspect of um, of ishvara and then there is shiva which is the transformative aspect and shiva and vishnu always come together vishnu is the preserver and shiva creates and transforms so uh the the image of shiva is very common has he has one hand has a drum in it, and then the other hand has a flame. The drum represents vibration, creation, expression, manifestation, and the flame represents transformation. 
So, so we have manifestation, expression in life, and then as soon as it comes into being, it starts to change and be transformed. So, uh, so nothing stays exactly the same, but in the process of this expression, manifestation, and transformation change, in the process of this, there is a harmony and a balance and a support. And this is Vishnu. So Vishnu and Shiva come together. Shiva protects Vishnu. Vishnu protects and keeps everything, nurtures everything. And so, and we have uh, expressions and manifestations of Shiva as well, like Hanuman. Hanuman is the servant of Ram, Vishnu, and uh, is immortal, strong, wise, and the, uh, the essence of the devotee totally devoted 100% to Ram, to Vishnu. And so, and he is an aspect and expression of Shiva. So here we find all the power and the power is in this intention to serve, to serve the purpose of life and expression. And so we can attune ourselves with, uh, you know, one of these aspects or just with Ishvara, with um, uh, with the the um, impersonal expressive aspect of ultimate reality, but one way or another, we should come into harmony and come into and feel that ourself to be in tune with this. That he, this is the source of our being. This is the source of the support and the nurturing that allows us to keep man, uh, keep expressing and having a life, and it is that which is also responsible for helping us, assisting us in this transformative process of awakening, awakening back to this awareness of what our true nature is, what we really are. And so, so before we uh, conclude, the last thing that I'll mention is um, that um, Patanjali goes on beyond this dedication to the Lord, to Ishvara. He says, here are the, the, attributes that we can uh, look for in ourselves that we can uh, adopt that will also help support in our spiritual awakening process and will support this neroda, this pacifying. And he says the first is faith and trust. Faith. That is faith in the universe, faith in ultimate reality, faith in nature, faith in these processes, faith in Vishnu and Ram and Krishna faith in Ishvara. So we have faith and we trust that everything is nurturing and supportive of itself. And if we're honest, if we really look back over our life and avoid getting uh, trapped, getting stuck in all the things that have gone wrong, if we kind of take the 30,000 foot view, we find that we've always been led and invited to the next phase of our life, that we've always been taken care of, that no matter how terrible and, and crazy life has become, somehow we always, always get bailed out. Somehow grace is always active in the background. And just when we're not sure how to move on and what's next, we find that something happens, something occurs, something pops up. Uh, many times out of nowhere, and it's really amazing. Many times if we really look at it, we say, wow, this was already happening. This was already on its way to me before I even knew I was going to need it. 
you know, it's pretty miraculous, pretty amazing. So we can, we can really, through observation, we can really develop a deep faith and a deep trust in life, in the process, in ultimate reality. So that's important. And then we can um, engage in our practice and in life with enthusiasm. We can make the effort. We can decide this is important. It's important for me to wake up, to be conscious. And again, all of our spiritual teachers keep reminding us that this is the most important thing. And if we think about it again, you know, just from a the standpoint of wisdom and practicality, if the clearer and the more aware and the more awake we are opens up our power our ability to interact, our ability to uh, to manifest what we need to manifest, our ability to serve, our ability to be joyful, healthy, happy. All these things come as a result of our awakened consciousness. So the wiser, the smarter, and the more efficient we are, the better life is. So it just makes sense to become wiser and smarter and more efficient and more aware as soon as possible. Why wait for 10 more years to become what we can be right now? And so, so having enthusiasm and making the effort, showing up every day with optimism, you know, we can do this and this is important. And the process of doing this is rewarding in itself. We feel good about it. So we can, you know, get in there and do what we do, um, do what we need to do. And then he says to be reminded of our true nature, that we are one with Ishvara, Ishvara Pranidhana, that we are not separate, but we are part of the wholeness of life. And so, to, you know, to remind ourselves of this every morning, every day, from time to time, you know, find a little uh, something that will help you rem remember. Uh, wear a bracelet, hang a picture on your wall, something when you see that. When you are, uh, you know, when you come across that, that it reminds you, oh, yes. And we can take a break for just a moment and remember, I am pure consciousness. I am an expression of this ultimate reality. I am not separate. So we can live in that awareness, develop that awareness, and then practice our concentration, contemplation, and meditation. So this is the the last three stages of our meditation practice. And so we can practice this every day, show up, contemplate, concentrate, meditate. Contemplate, concentrate, meditate. And so we use this procedure, this process, in order to open our awareness, open our consciousness. And, uh, and finally, to rest each day in our meditation to rest in pure awareness, to come back to this experience of beingness. And each experience we have makes an impression on the mind brain, creates some scars, that is impressions. And when we make these positive impressions, when we create these memories of being, being tranquil, being whole, being connected, and these have a transformative effect and they help to bring our the vehicle that we're operating through into harmony with our essence. And so in time, it becomes easier and easier to have the experience of self that we're aspiring to. 
So it just means we have to be dedicated and practice, 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 practice. And we can do that. 